Good evening and welcome to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast. We're in week four of our pre-season reviews. I'm your host Stuart Lord and tonight I'm joined by Mitch Brown who is our expert physio. Good evening Mitch. Hi mate. Hey and I'm also joined by Nick Lord who's our numbers guru. Oh, g'day guys. Hey 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 and uh, just for everyone at home tonight we're trying a uh, single team podcast setup. Uh, we're going to have part one, which is going to cover the Raiders, and part two of our preseason uh, review for week four will cover the Sharks, but they're both going to be released at the same time. Uh, tonight we're going to have the news, uh, is going to be part of this tonight in the Raiders podcast, while our recommendations for both teams uh, will be in the part two of the podcast, the Sharks, as, you know, I'm not sure that we've got three players from both teams that I could happily recommend to everyone so uh but look we've got plenty to go through tonight a lot of content there's a lot of uh fantasy or potentially fantasy relevant players here and lots of content to go to but first of all our socials so guys if you're listening we are up on facebook and instagram uh and we are at boom or bust nrl or one word so we got uh daily content uh up you know stuff from the podcast we've also got news going up there and uh we also have an nrl league uh up thanks to uh uh nick who set up our nrl league in the end i set it up but i got a message from uh sean shout out sean um uh, for us to start up a league and uh, we were going to do it later on but uh he was very keen so we got it up today Excellent. And uh, so, Sean, mate, you're, you're the reason why we're up. And, you know, we've already got Nick taking out the spoon here. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Everyone else, mate, at least you won't be last. <laughs> do, you, do you get a price for the spoon other than a spoon? Mate, I'm not even sure I bought a spoon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, you, 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 you get the dodges to the Mexican Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, the stuff that sun damaged us or whatever else. <laughs> anyway so but guys look we got to uh, make sure to like and subscribe to the page and to the podcast because we do have stuff coming out just about every day uh to keep us engaged keep you guys engaged and also just like you know it's coming up to fantasy season we're up to what 44 days until lockout guys oh really that, that, that is that is coming up real fast actually that's it and look with trials coming up right and we got uh we got the reps with the uh indigenous versus maori all-stars as well a uh, few things coming up so plenty to look forward to and we got a bit of news this week nick let me hand it over to you um last week we had some good fantasy news with the cash cow uh chris randall uh with Jaden braley going down this week, not so good news, guys. Uh, Tyrell Sloan, who we had, we had big hopes for, guys. We we spruked him. We talked him up. We thought he was decent price. We wasn't weren't quite sure why he was up. It turns out uh, his top thirty contract wasn't in place, which means that's why he wasn't actually in the NRL fantasy app. And his prices come out. Cue the Enya simple plan or the Simon and Gunfunkel sort of sad music his price is 500k gross he's got a break even of 39 he averaged we went through this last week he averaged 39.8 in 5 games playing fullback where uh, absolute stud 
If you take away, he had one bad game. Uh, he averaged 47.5. Um, I think this is where we guess he could probably average around that high 40s, maybe even crack a 50. I'm thinking chucking a star on him. Mitch, I know you were very high on him about last week. What are your thoughts about this This heartbreaking type of news? And as, as we spoke about last week as a fan, I'm still... Uh really on Tyrell Sloan, but as a fantasy owner, I'm a bit disappointed to see 500k. I mean, we all know it's about making the cash particularly early. I do, and I will stick by this, think that Tyrell Sloan is going to be a stud, Um, but I think he's a year off being a a 50-point-a-game player, or at least consistently that sort of score. Um, Maybe, you know... Uh, he might creep up to the 45s. It sort of really is partially dependent on the Dragons' fortune. So I look at that now after after having him in my draft squad, I'll probably, or, you know, leaving room for him in my draft squad, I'll probably be taking him out and putting someone else in. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't like calling him a bust. So I'll probably consider him to be a chucker star and him style player. But um, for me, he's certainly not a boom player uh, anymore, which is a bit disappointing. Hundred percent. No, I totally agree. Like I, I was hoping he'd come in as a three sixty three eighty to get to five hundred, right? So you know you can make some money off the back of him because if Dane Laurie can do it, you know I was hoping that Sloan could do it. I mean, mm-hmm. look, I'll put it out there, guys. Reese Walsh, right? Last year averaged forty eight point six, priced at six hundred and fifty five k. Now he did kick some goals in there and miss a lot of goals. To be fair. <laughs> but, he, but he did he did kick some goals and he did take some kick meters, neither of which Sloan will be doing. So perhaps that's the difference in price between the two. That's where those eight points ultimately comes from. But just putting it out there that, you know, first year players, they can they can surprise us. I'm thinking poor man's Caleb Ponga. I think he could be hitting a few dud scores, but he could also Ooh. hit those big eighties not, Matt, I'm not saying 100, but I'm thinking, you know, 80s or something like that. I think it will wash out in the mid-40s, though, in the end um, or so. Yeah. I just yeah. think he's one year away from, from being a real superstar player. And as Stu said, I was hoping to bag 120, 130K and, and maybe he would just, just brush past 500K. But the fact he's starting there for me, uh, I, I, he's just a total stay away. Yep. No, fair enough. That's... Chuck a star, boys. Chuck a star. Okay, on Tyrell Sloan. All right. So, look, tonight, guys, after those news, we're, we're here to look at the Canberra Raiders. So, they're, they've been a team that's kind of been... They've been a bit up and down. Last year, I want to say, was not their best year. Uh, they finished 10th, I believe, overall. And... Pretty much, they were kind of in the chance to make the eight for a fair bit of the season. But really, uh, once George Williams left that team, they were pretty much done for the year. What do you guys think? Um, I never really thought they got out of third gear. You know, the way they did in 2019 and a little bit 2020, but 2019 was their obviously grand final year. Uh, they, they just don't look like the same team. I, I think Mitch has some pretty strong thoughts about the Raiders last year and Hodgson in particular. <laughs> Look, I I, uh, I have always been a fan of the Raiders under Ricky Stewart and you lose uh, 
Williams, who I thought was quite, in the end, a divisive character. I think his missus was giving him all kinds of curry from the reports we heard, and he was fairly miserable, probably for a variety of reasons. Um, they just, they just, unfortunately, Jack White, who who he would be my favourite player in the NRL, is not a general. He's he's probably the best ball running half in the league, but he's not a general. So losing Williams at the back there was was. Um, quite an issue, but you put Jamal Fogarty in this year, who I think is a serious upgrade. Um, I really like this Raiders team. I think they are going to score um, points and, and um, they're going to be a really entertaining team to watch this year. Hmm. That's fair enough. There's there's certainly uh, plenty to like about this Raiders team and there's certainly, I guess, a lot to like about their consistency of side. So this year, we're going to have a look at their team additions. So they haven't they haven't really gone deep uh, this year into the market, unlike just, say, the Bulldogs uh, or what the Tigers tried to do, but no one wants to work for Madge. Sorry, Madge. I know, you, I know, I know you're not listening, mate, because you're probably chewing some dude out or beating up a bench with a baseball bat in some locker room somewhere. So, mate, you know, keep on with that. But look, back to the Raiders. They've, they've bought four players this year. So, first of all, return of one of their favorite sons, uh, and uh, one of the guys who went away not because he was drinking on a rooftop, Nick Kotrick. <laughs> so Nick Kotrick is back. He's a guy who I thought was going to be an absolute blowout star for the Bulldogs last year. I was, Same here. I was very high on him. He looked beefy and mean in the preseason. Uh, he beat up the shark side in that preseason trial and then just never 100% hit his straps. Ended up with a turf toe injury. Uh, which I'm sure that um, you know Mitch can give us a little bit more in a bit later. Um, yep. Which ended his season, and now he's you know been let go by the Bulldogs. I think to help fix their salary cap issues, and probably because Nick Kotrick wanted to go home. So we also have another guy from the Bulldogs who left because of an entire different sort of injury, uh, and that is Adam <laughs> Elliott. And you know he he got a bit in a bit of trouble up on the Gold Coast, visited a bathroom. And, uh, yeah, all over the news. Mate, the guy can't keep it in his pants. Sorry. Oh, poor Adam. Yeah, he, he just wanted to, you know, go to the bathroom, have a bit of privacy and, you know, what it's like up there. Yeah, that's true. Well, at least it's not someone else's missus, I guess. And... <laughs> oh, poor Kieran. <laughs> Mate, oh, can you can you leave him alone? That that's two times in three podcasts that you, you've had a crack. Up did it Adam Elliott crack on with um, Michael Leisha's fiance or something? Indeed, that's what well. I mean. Oh, I was I was referring to um, who was it who who had a go at Kieran Foran's missus? Ah, oh, gee whiz, I thought you were alluding to that. Anyway, no, no. Anyway, all, all good. So, look, Adam Elliott, you know, will hopefully be kept on the other side of Canberra away from everyone else's wives and girlfriends. So, he should be good to go this year. Uh, on to, uh, you know, lesser lights. Uh, we have Peter Holler joining from the Cowboys, who is, I guess, a bit of a depth addition there. And we also have uh, probably the highlight of their recruitment this year. Jamal Fogarty is coming in as the number seven. So... I guess we'll, we'll go into Fogarty a bit more later on the podcast, but uh, as already mentioned, uh, there's a lot to like about him and possibly a lot to like about the Raiders as a team uh, with him running the show. 
Uh, but next we're going to go and have a look at the injuries because there's there's a fair list actually from the Raiders here, including a couple of fantasy relevant players. So Mitch, let me hand it over to you, mate. Okay, so first on the list here we've got Jared Croker. Um, he, he, as most of uh, the, the listeners probably would have seen the last couple of years, he suffered from ongoing uh, meniscal injuries and joint arthritis. Uh, he's got a return date uh, in round one. Now, in the off-season, Jared had surgery to clean up some of that meniscal uh, damage and some of the um, wear and tear in through there, and he had some stem cell injections now. Uh, my belief, and a lot of the evidence at the moment, guys, would say that stem cell injections are just not there. Um, largely a placebo injection, and typically, most of the time we inject stem cells, they die and they don't differentiate into the new tissue we're looking at. Long story short, while his returning uh, date is round one, I am very skeptical that he's likely to return to his best form, given the nature of the injury and the fact that he's had multiple um, different uh, surgeries prior to that. Uh, and, and I am skeptical whether he will even make the 17. I think he'll he'll be in a real fix based on where I think he'll likely be at round one to do that. So as far as fantasy implications go, I, I think he could very well be uh, forced into retirement or simply suffer re-aggravation of the injury where he were be selecting the team. Uh, and, and if he is able to um, play and get selected in the team, my sense of it is that we won't see a significant uptick in last year's performance at best we might get more of the same so that's my sense of jared croker i mean he was a great player in his day and he certainly does kick a few goals but i would question uh one him making the team and then my second question would be uh is he likely to be all that much better with with at this point a fairly controversial sort of um treatment and uh, I'm guessing his speed would be down a little bit as well, like looking at that, uh, like a speed and change of direction for at centre. Is that certainly? Correct? That's correct. I mean, much the same as last year, his speed was down. Um, he's it, more than anything his ability to to change directions to make tackles. Uh, I thought he got exposed multiple times. I mean, any good team would have scouted which knee it was, which way they wanted to step. Uh, I thought he was a real liability in defence. And then as far as making tackle busts and tries, as you said. Do you think uh, you and Aitken could uh, stand them up, you know, like GI style? Oh, mate. Do you know what? It would be worse. Like, GI got a hand on him, um, as you and I saw, Nick, at Cogra Jubilee. I would be skeptical that Jared Croker would even get a hand on him at, at the state he's in at the moment. He's unfortunately just, I think, in the in the absolute twilight of his career. So, bit of Mitch a and I firsthand saw GI's career pretty much finish in the NRL when you and Aitken stood him up and barely touched him. We, we were just in absolute flabbergasted that that's where GR was at at this point, sadly. And um, it smells like this same type of situation, unfortunately, for Jared Croker. Yeah, it, it, it does. And, uh, you know, it's it's often something that you say, Nick, that the eye test is, is a big deal. And, and for GI, that was certainly um, pretty indicting as far as the eye test goes. And I would say most likely in round one, we're going to see similar stuff from Jared. Fair enough. So, well, look, he's certainly someone that I'd just want to keep an eye on during the trials in case he does make it back because, you know, we'll, we'll come to him in the fantasy review. I think there there might be, like, if you're willing to take a little bit of a shot for a very... Because he's almost at bargain basement. He's around 290 at the moment. Yes, but by the sound of it, you've got to go in there with both eyes wide open going, look, if he makes the 17 and plays, he might not last there very long. 
yeah, that's exactly right. He he has huge risk associated. All right. Next next up, we got uh, Nick Kotrick. Is that right, Mitch? That's it. So Nick Kotrick, they're quite an interesting one. I mean, last year, as as most again the viewers would know, he was ruled out with a turf toe. Uh, didn't have surgery for that, and that seems to be coming along pretty well. Uh, while he was sort of rehabilitating from the turf toe, he did get uh, flagged for a labral tear. Wasn't giving him huge issues at the time, but it was sort of the type of injury if you're going to have uh, a bit of time off. Um, there's no harm in sort of getting that done because it can cause issues as we saw with Kalen Ponga last year. Uh, he's had plenty of time to recover from this surgery. Uh, there's a low chance of re-injury considering the time he's had to rehabilitate. Um, he's flagged to come back in the preseason. He might may have a very brief lag in performance, um, but that said, I think he's a very low risk pick for round one based on his injury. I think you know if you if you were looking at starting Nick, um, wouldn't be too concerned about the the labrum. Maybe a slight question mark over the turf toe. That that can be a lingering style injury, but again, that was sort of sustained July of last year. He's had sort of nearly nine months by the start of the season to recover. I'd be thinking he would be pretty good to go. Um, Tom Starling, broken jaw. Uh, again, he's looking like returning the pre-seasons. He's had uh, nil issues during recovery. He's had more than six weeks to um, get over that. Uh, I would expect no decrease in performance, and he should be a pick for round one. Uh, might go over to Corey Horsberg, who's had an absolutely shocking run with injury. He's had a shoulder reconstruction um, due to injury strain late last season. He is again signaled for a return in round one, typically about a six-month recovery for NRL players, and he's had plenty of time to now get over that. It is does have good outcomes when addressed early, so generally um, we try sort of a few weeks of rehab uh, depending on uh, how severe the damage looks and if it's sort of not responding quickly uh, generally we we go after surgery pretty quickly in those NRL guys because the physios looking after them are top-notch so if things aren't working out it's pretty obvious that further interventions required as far as fairness implications go he has had plenty of time to recover um, and may have some issues tackling early on but i would think um with high levels of strapping that they sort of use on these guys that shouldn't be too much of a concern probably the big thing is the the history of multiple other injuries and he's just had a difficult time over the last two to three years in stacking games together i always get a bit nervous when players haven't been able to stack sort of 12 13 14 15 games together in a row just because there is nothing quite like match fitness and often, you know, at this top level where you're having to exert at 100 and sometimes 110%, um, that's where we sort of see hamstring groin injuries early on in the season as they're trying to get up to the pace of the NRL and just can't, can't quite because of that time off. Um, the final one is Xavier Savage, probably the most interesting of the lot. Had a bit of a, uh, a look at this last night, actually, after uh, you and I had a bit of a chat, Stu, about some of the rumours going on with Xavier Savage. I actually managed to find his x-ray um, floating around Google, which is pretty unusual for um, NRL players to have that sort of stuff released. They sort of claimed it was a grade three plus, um, and without going into detail, sort of AC joints can rank from uh, grade one right through to uh, five and six. Um, but effectively, they were sort of saying it was a three plus, which can um, sometimes indicate surgery. Often sort of the ones and twos can be back within four weeks. Threes are a bit touch and go. Three plus is often a surgery. I actually thought it looked more like a grade four when you really look closely at the imaging. Now, this was only an x-ray and, and the Raiders themselves would have 
uh, an MRI taken of that and they did not release the details of that. But looking at it, I thought it was a four. Typically fours and above absolutely require surgery. The recovery is quite ranging. So it's generally something between six to 12 months. I would suspect that an NRL player would be more on the six month side of things. Um, but there, there are sort of a variety of things that can affect that. Um, certainly injury history, uh, if there's any sort of metabolic issues going on and excessive inflammation that can delay things. Xavier doesn't seem to have anything uh, like that based on what I've heard. The outcomes for the surgery are typically pretty good. My feeling is um, as far as the injury goes, should there not be any major concern from the coaching staff given his youth, he should be a good pick from round one. Um, the AC joint is a major joint in tackling, so often they can have a bit of sensitivity there, but uh, most NRL um, players will just have large degrees of strapping in and around that area and they won't have too much pain. And sometimes they chuck a bit of anesthetic in there um, to really take it all away. So. My feeling is, um, and I know we spoke about it, Stu, and sort of there's some, a sense that Ricky might take it slow, but I do think he, he, he's a very strong chance to play round one, and I wouldn't expect, particularly if he's in the backs, I wouldn't expect a decrease in performance from round one based on the injury, um, the surgery that's been performed, um, and the typical style of recovery. That's good to hear. Well, look, that's... It's a bit of a happier, rosier view of Xavier Savage than I've been hearing for a little while. Just by the by, uh, what sort of grade was Nathan Cleary's at last year when he was strapping that bad boy? Uh, so Nathan Cleary's was a different injury. His was a labral tear, so he had a shoulder subluxation. Um, we'll go into that when we get to the Raiders, but the AC joint is sort of our collarbone uh, attaches to the our scapula or our chromium process. Um, and there's a ligament or, or a number of ligaments um, that will attach to that. So we've got sort of um, three in that area without going into too much detail. And then we've got our ligaments on the other side of our sternoclavicular joint. Basically, what Xavier did was he detached the ligaments of the acromioclavicular joint. And I also believe uh, his trapezoid and conoid ligament, um, which is, you know, if you go over Google listeners uh, for it, you'll see that there's quite a gap between uh, where his shoulder blade is and the collarbone. Um, so it's a different injury to, to Nathan's, which was actually a, a shoulder dislocation where the ball and socket comes comes away. Gotcha. So it was sort of detaching parts of, uh, parts of his chest from parts of his shoulder? Uh, parts of his collarbone from parts of uh, his shoulder blade. Got, gotcha. Yep. No, that, yep. Okay, yep. cool. Just for us idiots at home, that's great. No, no, that's all good. <laughs> so, excellent. Okay, well, look, we're looking through that, you know, so we've got some, uh, you know, some not so great news for Jared Croker, but, uh, and probably not for Corey Horsburgh, but, uh, you know, good news for everyone else, for Nick, Tom, and quite possibly Xavier. So that's great to hear. Uh, Nick, now, I guess we're going to have a look at the Raiders now that we've been through their pickups and their injury review. We're going to have a look at their schedule. So take us away. Guys, it's... It's pretty interesting, actually. So they got the tenth overall schedule. So what was that the sixth hardest? Um, they have the bye round seventeen, and it's quite interesting for this reason because they have the thirteenth best in pre-origin and the thirteenth best post-origin, uh, which means they actually have a really nice little stretch between that origin period from round fourteen up until round 17. So it's only a small stretch, but they get the Broncos, the Knights, and the Dragons before they're buying to round 17. So if you're looking for like, if if you've got like a bit of an origin headache 
when you're looking at moving guys around. Maybe look at some Raiders guys around that time. Um, they might be able to pick up some big points and some easy wins along there. They have the Seagulls, the Panthers, and the Storm twice. So, you know, previous podcast we talked about the Big Five being those three plus the Roosters and the Rabbitohs. So they've got three of the five, which isn't great. And their run home isn't too good either. It, it's sort of up and down, easy and hard. So Titans round 20, and then you've got the Panthers round 21. So that that's not great. They'll be back but to then full you have, strength by then too. Yeah, and then you've got the Dragons round 22, the Knights round 23. Then you've got a pretty tough game against the Seagulls round 24, I'd say. But then I'm anticipating that the Tigers around 25 would likely have given up and may well be gunning for the spoon. So they could absolutely crush this last round and that may get you some extra points if you're a bit strategic about it with some Raiders players. Um, what, what do you think, Stu? Yeah, no, it's interesting that it's, it's basically that little middle section. The one thing to watch out for over Origin is that they got that buy around 17. But that means is that they do play round 13. So if you do start with any Raiders players in the team, you don't need to trade them out if you're playing for overall points, which is great. Uh, but the um, obviously, if you're picking them, any of them up for that origin period, you've got to know that that buy round 17 is, is coming. Yeah, it makes it very awkward from a fantasy point of view. If only they had the buy round 13, as, as you're saying, otherwise. Um, but for, from a team point of view, they, they should have to pick up some wins, get a good rest. But then they should be able to attack sort of this this back run home quite well. Is sort of my thinking um, on the Raiders. Hundred percent. And uh, as we'll probably get into later, there's only really a couple of Origin players left for these guys, so uh, you know they probably won't be too affected this year. So, but I guess I guess we'll, we'll grab into that in a second because we're about to go into the what the likely top seventeen. So take us away. So, guys, I guess this is predicted, right, on Jared Croker being fit and firing and Xavier Savage being not, right? So, but, uh, look, I guess, you know, I'll also run through it if uh, if Jared Croker is not fit and available. So, I guess, uh, on the premise that uh, Croker is fit, look, I've got uh, uh, Jans Nickel Klockstad at uh, fullback. I've got Nick Kotrick returning at winger, along with uh, Jordan Rappiner on the other wing. I've got uh, Jared Croker and uh, Matt Tomoko uh, starting at centres. I've got Jack Whiten at six and Jamal Fogarty at seven. Uh, in the forwards, I've got Josh Papali and uh, Joseph Tapani uh, at eight and ten. Uh, got Josh Hodgson at uh, at hooker at nine. Uh, the two uh, edge, I've got uh, Elliot Whitehead and Corey Hawira Naira at uh, thirteen. I've got Hudson Young. And then on the bench, I have Tom Starling, Adam Elliott, Ryan Sutton, and Emre Gula. Now, uh, I guess going through this, obviously if Jared Croker isn't right and Xavier Savage is, that quite possibly means that Charles Nickel Klockstad may move to centre because he's a bigger body. And Xavier Savage, who's uh, 90 kilos or so, will move into fullback but apparently he's, he's got some real pace, but maybe just not quite the size. And and that would be about the end of that. Uh, having a look at the rest of the 17, look, I've got uh, another option for centre, uh, especially if Xavier Savage isn't 100% round one, is uh, Seb Chris, who played a lot of time there last year. 
the other one that uh, looks a bit interesting, another option out there is Harley Smith Shields, who we've heard some good things about, but unfortunately due to COVID, there has not been a lot of second grade, like uh, reserve grade played. So a lot of these guys who are fringe players maybe haven't had a chance to present their credentials. And the last one is uh, what I sort of hear a little bit of rumor about is a guy called Harry Rushton, who's a young fella out there who might be pushing for a bench spot at some point. It just seems one of those guys who um, just by sheer talent forces their way into a side. So just... just uh, even... Harley, Harley Smith Shield is an interesting one, Stu, because he, he played winger in 2021, uh, but he's listed at centre. So... Uh, could, could be an interesting pickup potentially if there's uh, an issue with Croker. I'm not too sure. Hundred percent, though. Obviously, uh, unfortunately with Harley, he's priced at four twenty. So, uh, you know, ha ha, you know, for the people at home. But uh, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, he's uh, he's just about fully priced there, unless he's the second coming. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> but look, let's run through. I guess the. Out of those 17, there like are a few fantasy-relevant players. Like I've been rolling through the forums on uh, uh, NRL Fantasy Talk and uh, the uh, NRL Rogues groups, as well as the Discord, uh, and sort of seeing a few players about. So, Nick, how about you uh, start taking us through some of these fantasy-relevant players and breaking it down for us? Let's start with Dalliam Jack Whiten, not 2021, 2020 Jack Whiten. Um, he's priced at 569k. His break-even is 46, and in 2021 he averaged 48.2. He's quite durable with 21 games, and he's listed at half. His Dalian year last year he averaged 53.9. It's it feels somewhat unlikely he can reach those heights again. It did feel like quite a purple patch. Uh, that's not to rule him out. Um, the difference between the two years in terms of scoring, which was about a five six-point average was his tries were down, his line breaks were down, his tackle busts were down, um, and his uh, meters were down as well. So just in general, um, his attacking sort of stats, you know, busting through the line, scoring tries, the th- the th- all those sort of stats that sort of come with scoring tries are busting through the line, everything was just down a bit. One thing I have for his upside, guys, is that he's not playing with Sam Williams. Um, Jamal Fogarty. And, you know, we know Jack White. He can get as hot as any other player in the league uh, on the field, but also for fantasy. So I wouldn't be surprised if you think, oh, he might drop a bit of cash. But if he actually just picks up to 700K after a good, you know, few weeks or so, but then he might come crashing back down. He sort of undulates a fair bit. Um, Stu, what are your thoughts on Jack? Look, I think Jack is one of those guys who is a brilliant, brilliant player for the NRL. I think fantasy-wise, I think he's a bit more sporadic, like you said, uh, relying on some running and attacking stats and the Raiders' overall form. And the Raiders' overall form is quite reliant on him to a certain extent. Um, I think that Jamal Fogarty, as general, I think he will take away some of his base stats, which is kick meters and whatever else. So that Those have been hit by the clearing nerve. So that's something to be aware of, that his, um, his base price might come down a bit. Um, and that, But I guess it depends on how you think the Raiders season is going to go. Because like if you, if you think that they're going to be going forward better, they're going to be led around better, and they're going to attack better, then Jack Whiten's the man. Like I remember when he was, they were playing the Panthers last year, 
he was the guy like he scored the only try worth versus the Panthers which was like a real solid attacking try uh, he just pushed off the left foot busted through two tackles and slammed it over the line he can do that against the top teams but yeah he, ri- he rises to the occasion that's for sure he certainly does but I think that's like at his price I think that it's it's a, it's a bit of a struggle to start with him week one there's so many good halves this year like I looked at my bench and my fantasy team today I've actually got Four halves sitting there at the moment. <laughs> so I think Jack White, and I think is a guy that, you know, you just probably want to keep an eye on, maybe chuck a star on in case he does have like a couple of really poor games, drop some coin, and then, you know, maybe pick him up if you're willing to take a punt. Where are you at with Jack Mitch? Uh, we all know that I'm a big fan of Jack. I, I think you've all hit the, the key points. I think with Jamal, or, or certainly I thought last year, particularly when George Williams left, uh, Jack was stuck from being uh, and forced to sort of be a general um, at the back of the field, and that's just not his go. And I thought the Raiders were really lost without him. I think with Jamal there, two things. I think the Raiders are going to um, pick up substantially on their performance. And I think the second point would be Jack is likely going to be returning to his position and preferred style of play. I would suggest he will score more tries, have more try assists, and have more line breaks than his 2020 or Dally M season. I think he's going to have a career year this year. However, um, the question is, uh, is he good for fantasy in that I do think he's going to be very patchy. I actually think he will go over 700K, um, but it will oscillate somewhere between that 650 and 700K mark. So he might be a wee bit spicy. I don't even think he's a chucker star unless his value drops, which I don't think it will. I think the Raiders are going to be a good team. I think he becomes spicy if you believe the Raiders are going to be a good team, but just be aware he's probably going to bump up and down between, say, probably 670 and 720 um, throughout the year. So I actually consider him to be a spicy pick because I think you either get him at the start and consider him a bit of a uh, cut-price cash cow or um, you don't get him at all. Yeah, and I I guess for those, you know, all three people at home who've uh, listened to all of the podcasts (laughs) so far... Yep. Hi, everyone. Uh, hi, Mum. Uh, I'd just like to add that, uh, so this week we're, we're trying to save a little bit of time by uh, combining our boom and bust ratings while we talk about that player during the stats thing. So that's why if I'm saying Chuck a star and Mitch is like, oh, maybe a spicy pick, that's because uh, what we're going to do is we're going to decide here and we'll just do a quick review at the end. And obviously all, all the socials will carry up who the players are. So, Nick, I guess, like, we've got one spice choice. We've got one chuck of star in it. What do you feel about Jack White? Oh, I'm torn. I'm, I'm going to chuck a star. That was my initial sense. I think he may go down a little bit, potentially. I think he will come in in the back end of the year, though. So, I will probably pick him up post-origin, I think. Easy. And look, to be fair, if he plays that number 14 role again, just as coverage... He is like he will not take any downtime from Origin and probably not come back injured either. So, which is a good place to be. Totally agree, mate. Totally agree. He's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, next up, we have his halves partner Jamal Fogarty. Uh, whilst we rate White and higher, Fogarty is actually a better fantasy player. So he's priced at six fifty five k. His break-even is 53, and his 2021 average was 55.1. He was pretty durable as well, playing 20 games, and he's a half. He did an awesome 2021, had him in my team. 
3.1 goals, nearly 20 tackles, two and a half missed tackles, which isn't too bad for a half. He ran for 75.2 metres, but he had uh, 316 kick metres. So they, he's going to lose um, a couple of points due to the clearing nerf. Um, and he, he may, may, may be sharing kick metres with Whiten as well. I'm also a bit worried, guys, if Croker comes back, I, I don't know who's going to kick because Croker's really important to that team from a kicking point of view. Fogarty's an excellent goal kicker as well. So if Fogarty doesn't kick, he could see a six-point reduction. Ooh. So when you when you take two less points due to clear enough, six-point reduction for his uh, kicking at goal, potentially, it's, it's not confirmed. Um, I don't potentially see too much upside whatsoever with... Uh, Fogarty. Um, Mitch, what are your initial thoughts on Jamal? Uh, again, like you said, I think Jamal's an excellent NRL player, but from a fantasy point of view, uh, I certainly think he's capped his value. I think he's likely to um, take a down tick both from sharing a few more kick meters with Jack White, and I think Jack will kick a bit more than Ash Taylor did um, when Jamal was with the Titans, and then obviously you've got the clearing earth on top of that. There is uncertainty around um, Broker. I just... I just don't see much cash there. Um, so I, I, at this point, I would suggest that Jamal's probably um, a bust. I think your stats there are pretty indicting on that. Yep, no, I, I agree. The, um, you know, I'd like to be controversial and go, no, he's the number one pick for the season. And, you know, uh, <laughs> he's a bust. Debate, but mate, he's a bust. He's, he's a paying, bust. <laughs> you're paying full freight. And unless you see the Canberra Raiders going on like a 19-game win streak, right? And rampaging down while also kicking 700 meters a game, he's just—it's not there. So, so sorry, sorry, Nick Jamal. Could not be afraid that he's missing out on 2022's Nathan Cleary. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Nathan Cleary is 2022's Nathan Cleary. So I think we're safe there. <laughs> Which is a Panthers supporter, I must say, I am extraordinarily glad about. Yeah, shout out to um the one. Or two Raider supporters that are out there, I guess. Oh, mate, don't don't she? We'll be hashtagged up the milk for the next six months. There for years down there. I guess there must be nothing else doing, like you know, in their twenty minutes a day civil service jobs. So there, there must be full time fanatics down there. Poor Mitch is, is uh, lactose intolerant, so up the milk's quite offensive to him. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's it's really just you know, someone who used to enjoy milk. It's just you know. <laughs> Salt in the open wound, really. But, uh, you know, what I actually consider myself to be, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy watching the Raiders play. Um, so, um, shout out to all the Raiders fans down there. I, I've got your back. I, I, I like your team. Up the milk. Okay, guys. Uh, next on the list, oh, sorry, certified bus for Jamal Fogarty, certified by the way. Uh, guys. Um, we've got Charles Nickel Klugstad. So, uh Quite interesting. He's 437K. His break-even is 35, and that was his 2021 average as well. Um, he only played eight games due to injury, and he's a wing fullback at the moment. So, as Stu mentioned earlier, uh, he could be shuffled around in the back line into centre. NRL.com have him as starting centre with Savage at fullback. He's had neck issues. He's bulging disc. He's had surgery. Uh, Mitch, uh, any, any thoughts on that particular thing? Um, is that going to plague him this year, do you think? No, I, I, I don't. Um, I think surgery's into the neck. 
uh, are typically pretty successful. I, I would wager the main the main reason was probably just ongoing numbness and loss of sensation. You just kind of get to a point where it's obvious, typically that sort of uh, 12 to 16 week mark where it doesn't seem like the disc is going to reabsorb. Sometimes it's better to just go in there and have a disectomy, which is what I would wager he would have now. For the listeners at home, a disectomy is basically where you have uh, a bit of the disc which is sort of bulging out and causing mild compression on the nerve. They, they effectively trim that away. Um, then from there, the, the rehab around that's quite good. He's had a long time to bounce back from it. Um, short of him, you know, charging into Big Pop's thigh with his head, um, I think he'll be okay. Oh, I, think, okay. I think that's how he did it in the first place because I'm pretty sure that he, it is, it is. he, he got is. a kick out high shot. Yes, that that is correct. So he copped a huge hit. And I mean, it is a contact sport, but mate, I think most players, if they're going to comp that sort of hit, will have that sort of injury. <laughs> yeah, from, a, um, from that size of a man, yes. Yeah, so... I don't. I don't actually have huge concerns around that. If it was his lower back, I'm, I may potentially sing a different song. But uh, from all all reports, I think he'll be okay. Oh, that, well, that, that that's great to hear. He, um, I, I really love him as a player. He, so he actually came back around 23. So it was really nice to see him finish out the year. Um, he had a bit of an awkward role. So, um, but so let's just look at his 80 minute stats. So. For 2021, he averaged uh, 39.4 when he played the full 80 minutes of fullback. But in 2020, he averaged 44.1. So, assuming he goes back to his 2020 form, um, we're expecting him to sort of average around 40, mid-40s, I'd say. Um, however, he's never played starting centre in the NRL. And he's played six wings, uh, six games at wing when he was back at the Warriors uh, before he moved to the Raiders, before they poached him. Oh, I think it was unwanted by the Warriors to an extent. Anyway, Raiders got a gem in uh, CNK, but he averaged 30.8 on the wing. So um, it's hard to look at these stats for him playing center or wing or anything like that. But if he's at fullback, guys, he has a little bit of value, sort of a a nine-point value. Um, Stu, are you looking at CNK at all? I'm looking at CNK for my team. Look, I see that there's one, he's least affected out of a lot of fullbacks by the um, nerfs to tackle bus and to uh, uh, tackle bus and kick meters and offloads. So that don't go to hand. He's not that sort of player. He's very much a base stat type of player. He does a lot of run meters. And he's quite active for a fullback as well, doing a fair few tackles. He seems to be like a very active player. And if the Raiders are doing well, the other team will be kicking deep, which gives him more distance to run. So either, you know, first um, running back with a ball or uh, first or second hit up. So look, I, I like him. I like him as a player, and I think there is some coin to be had there. I think that he could be worth. He could sort of push into the sort of mid five fifties, low six hundreds, like on a good run, which I think puts him close to cash cow territory. And I think. Uh, um, am I smelling some spice there, Stu? By any chance? Yeah. Look, he he is a bit of a spicy choice uh, for you. Look, I, I'm. I'd almost have him as a boom for me, but look, I'm happy to take him as spicy because, um, look, starting fullbacks at 437k, there are not many. The only thing to watch out with him, the reason why I would agree with you on spice is because Xavier Savage is sitting out there, and if he comes in, if he doesn't start the season, right, but comes in just, say, round seven to fullback, and Nickel Klonstack moves either to the bench or on into centre, right, yep. then... 
then obviously it's you got to sell and rebuy. So that yeah, it's probably a spicy pick for me. But is that is that an easy swing trade? You just say cool. CNK's had his let's just say four or five rounds at fullback. Savage is coming to fullback, and you just make the easy switch then. You, you can. You just got to hope that he makes you know sixty, seventy, like enough money to make the trade worth it. And you know, can you guarantee that? Probably not. Where have you got a Mitch? Uh, I, I consider him to be a spicy pick. Um, I agree with Stu that there's plenty to be cashed uh, or there's plenty of cash to be made. I think uh, his injury concerns are fairly minimal. The main issue I have is just the, the uncertainty around his role. So if, if he's starting fullback week one, I'm going to probably roll the dice. I do think Savage will start. Um, and in that case, I might be a little bit gun shy on picking him, particularly in the center role, just with the uncertainty on how many points he will put out. And as Stu said, he hasn't, by, by my knowledge, played uh, center at the NRL level. So I would consider him spicy. Yeah, hundred. Look, and immediately moves to like pretty much close to a bust if he is a centre because there are so many good centres this year, guys. Like, even though it'd be a dual position player potentially if he was there round one, right? He's just scoring at centre. Like he's just he's a bust at four twenty six. So, absolutely couldn't couldn't agree more, guys. Um, I, I think he's very spicy. And uh, just to get on to um, you know, the sort of. Guy who may be opening the door for C- uh, CNK, to, um, or the other way around, CNK could be opening the door for this uh, young um, starter, Xavier Savage. He is uh, 350k, his break even is 28, and he averaged 32.7 in 2021. 20, he played three games and he's a wing fullback. He played that one game where he wasn't meant to be on the field, so he's got that 11 minutes. Um, and But in the other two games, he averaged 49.5, which is just... Yeah, awesome. I wouldn't say that he could continue to average 49.5 necessarily as, as a young guy, but um, I've said here high 30s, low 40s, but I'm going to say, let's just say, you know, low to mid 40s, you know, 42, 45 or something like that. And can, can, the, can I just put something out as well, just for, go for it. discussion, which is that that 49.5 ad- average, so you got 26 versus the Seagulls, round 17, and a 73 versus the Sharks the following week. Okay, so it's not like he, it's not like Sloan where he pulled, punched out a few quality games. He basically had like an okayish game at fullback, and then he had an absolute blowout versus the Sharks, and then he was busted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so, so, so our, our sample size here is really is like you could look. It's good to know you can get a seventy three, and the, but the sharks last year were pretty. They were not good that by that part of the season. They did not translate well to Queensland. I think I test. I think he passed it. Uh, so I'm not too phased personally. I'm not, I'm not saying he's as good as Tyrell Sloan. I think Sloan is a better prospect. But Savage definitely held his own in the NRL. And if you're playing starting fullback, you know. Getting forty is pretty, pretty simple. Once you add in, you know, a few tackles, a couple of tackle busts, and you know, 150, 200 running meters, which is not, you know, it's pretty standard these days for fullbacks. So you know, you can sort of get up to those um, those forties pretty quickly, I'd say. Um, but he could make two to three hundred k if he if he does that, guys. He could hit you know five hundred fifty k or so. Um, Mitch, um, how are you feeling about Xavier Savage? Uh... I would, 
I think, again, he's a potential spicy pick. I think it's predicated on two things. Um, the first thing is him starting at fullback and, and, and or starting the season, actually, probably more to, more to the point. Uh, and then the second thing, sort of as Stu alluded, that there is a bit of a rumour that they may take uh, Xavier's AC joint injury uh, a little bit slower, so therefore he, he may actually end up starting later in the season. At that point, you'd probably chuck a star in it and sort of wait and see and wait for him to come back into the squad. Um, that's kind of where, where where I would rate him. It depends. The one thing I'd say, and it's sort of to Stu's point, is I don't think he's had enough games for me to really say he's passed the eye test. I think he certainly has the speed and the size to be a great player in the NRL. Um, if he starts, I think there's cash to be made. So again, that's why I would consider him spicy. Um, but if he doesn't have that starting role round one, I would I would sort of say maybe chuck a star on him and wait for him to come back because um, those AC joint surgeries can take um, nine to 12 months. But I do think he'll be about that six-month mark. Yeah. So I, I'm going to... Ch- so I'm thinking he's a boom if he starts full back, but he's a chuck a star if he's not on the first uh, team lists, guys. 100%. That's yep, exactly I would what agree. I was going to say. Yep. Is that because, yeah, he, he's in my side... The second that, you know, if uh, Teamless Tuesday comes around and he's rolling out as number one, he's, he's in my side and he's in my draft sides as soon as I see him at the trials starting at the are you got, roll. Are you guys going to stash him even if he's not listed at fullback? Just just hang on to him knowing that he will get there or is that is he too I, expensive for that? No, you trade him in for sure. Like you, 220 you do, three, 350, that's, that hurts. Yeah, There's it's a bit too made out there. It's just a bit too much of an investment. You'd, Excellent, guys. <laughs> so, so we'll we'll wait for Teamless Tuesday, the first one, to you know really understand where he's at. Um, next on this, guys, we've got uh, Nick Cottridge uh, at three sixty nine k. His break evens thirty, and he averaged thirty one point seven in twenty twenty one. Fourteen games with a couple of injuries, as we mentioned earlier, and he's a DPP baby. He's a center. He's a center and a winger. Um, we think he's going to play wing, though. So, uh, at wing, his average is 35.6 for his career. In 2021, though, his average was 30. So, he's, he did see a decrease on the wing. Um, that but if wasn't he, the Bulldogs, though. It's, well, there, there, there was a lot of decreases <laughs> by just just the fact that they got absolutely slaughtered the entire Yeah, yeah it, wasn't, no it wasn't pretty. If, if you're standing underneath the posts... <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have the ball. <laughs> that's it. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's one of those uh, tackle bus kings, guys. He averaged 5.2 tackle bus for his career. So he's going to suffer the tackle bus nerf, unfortunately. Um, he is an absolute hulking beast, as we mentioned earlier. He's cheap. So he's he's, not, he's at that 369 price point. He's pretty tempting. I think I might be talking myself into it at this stage. I think he's getting pretty spicy, guys. Um, only because I'm sold on his hulkingness and somehow getting into the void somehow, but I doubt he will. Stu, are, are you with me? Are you, getting, are you uh, hearing uh, the siren song uh, right now? No, I'm not really. Just at wing. You got burnt last You got burnt last year? I did get burnt last year. He came in and then came out, so that was a bit of a pain. But it's also just... He's one of those guys who some weeks... He will absolutely smash it out for you, but his floor, where his his bad games are very, very bad. He's not one of those guys who's got like, oh, look, you know, he'll at least get 25 points for you, right? Like, uh, you know, let, let me just bring that up actually for you before I, you know, 
insult a, you know, insult the man. Having a look at last year, so like we just had a run of games, right? He did a thirteen in eighty minutes versus the Dragons, right? That's not good. <laughs> he, did a, he did a sixteen in sixty-eight minutes versus the Eels. Uh, yep. He did a nineteen in eighty minutes versus the Storm. Uh, twenty-four and you know. 24 against the Rabbits, 29 versus the Sharks, 25 versus the Dragons. So it's not even good team, bad team, right? Against the Dragons last year, you got a 25. So I just... And that was at the Bulldogs, to be fair. But I just... I, I'd be struggling to turn around and say, yes, look, he's the man to solve your ills. So look, I, I would put Chuck a star on him or maybe a spicy pick if you force me to. Are you... Are you... You sort of sold me on him being a bust, even at a cheap price point, Stu. Um, sort of seeing no real upside, really, hey? Oh, look, the answer is he'll have some games where he could really punch out some good games. He, 2020, you know, he got a 78. Like, if he returns to 2020, he can punch out some, you know, got a 75 or 78. He, he, can, he can really crack out some scores, but you just, is, you know, is this what you're relying on to fill in your team? I just I feel like there's some better options out there. He's behind Rocco Berry for me. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I'm I'm not too sure where Rocco Berry's at if he's as hulking as Nick Cottage, is he? <laughs> no, he's not. He's he's just a he's a young fellow for the Warriors who looks like he might get a run in the centres over there from what I'm hearing. But I, oh, I, nice. I guess he, he but his dual player position is similar pricing, three fifty odd. So I guess oh, okay. what I was trying to aim at here is, is that like I think if you do want a dual player around that point, there are some potentially better players to look at uh, along the side. So I'd say, look, chuck a star. If he looks like that he's returned to absolute beast mode, right, you can get him in before he does too much damage to his starting price. Where have you got him, Mitch? Have you got a star on him as well? Uh, I, I would... I feel silly saying that he's a bust, but I certainly think he's a borderline bust. Um, you know, I don't sense he's a Brett Morris or, or a Brian Toto where he just keeps punching out score after score after score uh, and his value goes up. I think he will be very up and down. I do have to say he's on a Raiders team that I feel is is likely going to be right up near the top of the ladder and scoring points. And, and as a result, I do think he probably will have an increase in average. Um, I think he has to be a chucker star on it because I don't think he's going to have two or three 90 or 100 point games to start with. So if he passes the eye test early and the Raiders look good, he might be worth um, trading in. But he's just a little bit too much to just plug into a starting side on in a position where winger is classically you no know, super up and down. I'm just not willing to stake early cash cows um, or potential other early cash cows and, and get Kotrick instead. I think it's a bit risky. What I think is quite interesting is we're getting on to next Jordan Rappiner, but if you're kicking to the corners, you're kicking at Nick Cottridge or you're kicking at Jordan Rappiner. Both great at returning the ball, upsing tackles and, you know, splitting defenders. And I think it's a much better um, balanced uh, back three in particular between the, the wings and the fullback this year uh, for the Raiders. So, I mean, that could be a reason why Nick Cottridge is better because they're not kicking away from him so to speak if that makes sense um, I don't know I, I think uh, this Raiders team is going to be super nasty yeah right so so where have we got them boys are we thinking Chuck uh, a star uh, wait uh, and see I, th- I think Chuck a star wait and see star. 
Uh, yep. But look, you won't you won't be hating yourself if you get him in your initial team. I just think there's better choices. I don't think he'll go down, so it's not a bad pick at all. I don't think so. Yeah. Anyway, you, you, you know, you want to be making money on like there are guys that you could make a bit of coin on. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, next on is his wing partner Jordan Rappinut. So he is 200k more expensive, but 571k guys, huge. His break even is 46, and his 2021 average was 48.7. He's incredibly durable with 22 games, and he's the DPP as well. So he was fourth in the league in tackle bus last game at 6.3. So he'll suffer the tackle bus nerf. And he was third in the league in tackle busts, um, in overall tackle busts, just behind Fafita and Teddy. Um, So he had 138 for the year. That's good company. Uh, Yeah, he's he's absolutely superstar in terms. He's beating out Toho for tackle bus, just to put that into context, guys. That that that's some serious serious numbers. Um, now, unfortunately, he's likely to play wing, so he filled in a lot of fullback last year. And when he filled in for fullback, he averaged sixty three point seven. He included two monstrous scores of one hundred and two versus the Eels in round nineteen, and ninety five versus the Warriors in round twenty four. So he had two monstrous scores. Um, and what that's done is it's inflated his price to a point. Because he averaged 43 on the wing, which is very, very good for a winger. Um, it, he's one of the top wingers for sure, but he's he's quite expensive in my opinion at the moment. So I'm not particularly in a rush to get him at first. Um, obviously, if he gets a run of fullback, I'd be very, 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 very tempted to get him, even with the tackle bus nerf, um, to, to have a pretty serious look at him. Um, Stu, what are you thinking? Look, I, I think the Jordan Rapper is a guy who just maintains the rage, which I love, right? There's no chill with this dude. He just had this look on his face, right? Like he's just angry or like, you know, which is great in a, in a guy. He just he pushes his way out of everyone. He busts every tackle he can. He gives every ounce, which is great. But I think he's got two players in front of him for that fullback role, sadly. Um, and he is a great winger. And I think that he's fully, fully priced as a winger. And those two massive games last year, obviously they helped anyone who had him, but they've just priced him out for this year. So I would say, look, chuck a star on him. If at some point he he becomes available, he's a quality player to have in your team, but he's just, you, you can't start with him, not at that price. Like, you, there's so many so many better options out there. Would you bother round one, Mitch? Bust. Bust? Bust. A bus round one, wow. Are you, are you I, chucking a star on him for later, though? No. I just, I think he's pretty well cashed out. I think uh, Kotrick on the other wing is going to see a bit of love. So I think the try load will be spread fairly evenly. I think teams might be more inclined to occasionally kick to Kotrick or possibly even the fullback um, to keep it away from Rapana. I do think he'll have a few big games. I think it's very unlikely when you've got Savage and Klockstad that he's going to get any time at fullback. Um, I just can't see any sort of level of consistency occurring throughout the season that would make me think short of a massive string of injuries that, that he would be of value. I think the only time he, he might be a chance of finding his way into my squad is if uh, he had a really tough time of it and then Blogstad and Savage go down and he gets his way into fullback. Then you might get a bit of value on points out of him, but I just I just can't see it. I'm a bit worried about Rappenar as well, Mitch. He's 32. He's going on 33 uh, later this year. So, 
he's not a you know spring chicken anymore. He's getting up there, particularly for a winger. Um, we tend to see older wingers turn into more type of finishers, in my opinion, than huge tackle busters. Uh, they they just sort of eat meters. So I wouldn't be surprised if his tackle bust went down. I know he's a maintain the rage sort of guy like Stu said, but. I think there is bust potential there, Stu. So you're chucking a star, or are you thinking maybe oh, potential look, bust? I reckon if if you if you force it down to me, I, I reckon he's a bust at the moment. You know, we may revisit him during the season, but yeah, he's he's just he's not there. He's yeah, bust. Okay, so we we we've got him as a bust, guys. Unfortunately, just for round one, yeah, he could be a pickup later on. Um, but we'll, we'll keep keep tabs on him. Sebastian, Chris, guys, you mentioned him quickly earlier. He's another. Um, guy sort of on the fringe of the 17 he's 396k so he's not basement he's uh, we'll just fly through him his break even's 32 and he averaged 30 last year in 20 games um he played 16 full games where he averaged 33 and a half so only saw a bit of a uptick i don't see much upside personally um he scored seven tries three try assists six line breaks three line break assists a couple of tackle busts a couple of missed tackles He's not a huge meter eater. I don't personally think he passes the eye test that much for me compared to other prospects out there, particularly in the stack center. Stu, any thoughts? Are you oh. keeping any tabs on him? Or? Look, the, I, I think that uh, if Jared Croker doesn't start, I think there's a center option you know, out there for it. And Seb Chris was one of those guys that Sticky said last year is good enough. We've got to put him somewhere in the seventeen. But uh, I, th- I think with this current price, he's probably not a hundred percent pick. I've just seen a few people mention him in around the place, and I thought, you know, it's worth having a look through. But I think he's he's fully priced. His price, what four, basically four hundred k. I think I think there's uh, better center picks, especially once we get to like the eels and the roosters, right? And if and a few other teams, there's some better price center picks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bust. So yeah, he's a bu- he's a bust, boys. Um, on to Josh Hodson. Um, we got two interesting hookers here, guys. We're Josh Hodson and Tom Starling. So starting with Josh, he's six twenty-seven k. He's a break-even of fifty. Uh, twenty twenty-one average of forty-eight point nine. He played twenty games, and he's a hooker, and he's got a point six five uh, ppm points per minute. Um, it was actually quite interesting last year, guys, because he played that lock. Uh, sorry, he started hookup, played about 25 minutes, and then he went to lock for the rest of the game, playing the full 80 minutes. Uh, I think he was also quite unhappy last year, um, particularly with how the George Williams scenario played out as a fellow Englishman. Uh, he signed to join the Eels in 2023 because uh, Reid Marnie is going to the Bulldogs, uh, which we mentioned, I think, in week one. Um, uh, 2021 was better. So 2020 was pretty bad year for him so last year wasn't up here for him um so we don't see why he wouldn't continue um 19 games started he averaged 50 and they were all over 60 minutes 10 tries for hooker um it's down a little bit so it's 0.5 tries per game where he's for his career he's 0.6 so he usually gets a few more tries um usually uh i don't i've my main problem with Josh Hodson, guys, is this Raiders forward pack looks stacked. And I don't know how you're going to fit in any time at lock for Josh Hodson. Stu, have you thought much about this forward pack so far for the Raiders? Look, I've, I've had a look at just the number of quality players in there. 
Um, that rota the rotation does not look great. Like uh, I'm thinking here, if you have a look at that starting 17, so you've got uh, Papali, who's a big minute player. You have Joseph Tarpany, who's not really a big minute player. He's like a 45-minute guy. He's incre incredibly good at PPM, but, you know, not there. You've got probably Hudson Young, potentially at 13. He's a big minute player. He's got a lot of cardio in him. And then we've got Adam Elliott, Ryan Sutton, and Emre Gula, right? It's just they're all guys who like to play middle. I... Yeah, that, that's my point is you've got Josh Papali'i middle, Hudson Young middle, Adam Elliott can also play middle, Joe Tarpane can play middle, Corey Hosbro, Ryan Sutton, as you said. Um, and I think one of the issues as well is you've got Elliott Whitehead on the edge and he always plays 80 minutes. So it's not like you can just shove one of those guys into Elliott Whitehead's position. So, um, And, you, I don't and know, what you... uh, you've also got Corey Harawiri-Nyer who's like a 70-minute dude as well, right? Has well, been they, played him, they played him off the bench a little bit towards the end of last year. Um, oh, it was the beginning of the end. It was, it was, it was, it, I think he bookended the year sort of playing, you know, 30-ish minutes interchange. Um, you know, just come in and belt people pretty much and bounce off them and miss tackles and all that sort of stuff anyway. Um, so, I, I don't know um, uh, people found that very frustrating. Corey Harawiri-Nara, he... he We'll get into it in a bit, but um, long story short, I don't know when you look at the minutes allocation for the three medals of the two props the lock, I don't see Hodgson playing any lock. So I'm sort of thinking my theory for this year is that Josh Hodgson's going to play that 50, 60 minutes in hooker and then Tom Starling's going to play the other 20, 30 minutes or so. Or I don't know, what are you thinking, uh, Mitch? Any, any thoughts on minutes uh, for the Raiders? I think his minutes will be right down. I, I actually wouldn't be surprised uh, if Tom Starling sort of gradually or even potentially started um, at hooker to begin with. Um, I, I really cannot, as you just said, see him playing at lock. They've just got too many good players ahead of him. The other thing I'd say is I thought, uh, and obviously, you know, Jamal and Jack are a different combination to... Uh, George Williams and Jack Whiten, but I thought, um, particularly given Josh Hodgson's more of a ball-playing hooker, that he almost impeded their ability to get the job done um, out wide. So so my sense of it is that you've got a great general in Jamal Fogarty, you've got the best ball-running 5-8 since Brad Fittler in Jack Whiten. Use Tom Starling more as a ball runner or just getting the ball out there. Um, I, I think the Raiders have their best chance with that. And then as a result of that, and I think I think Ricky will come to that conclusion as well, I, I, I see no points in Josh. I actually think he'll have a downtick in performance uh, and minutes, and I would consider him one of the bigger busts of the season. Yeah, he's all risk. And that's, that's the big thing, right? He, look, he could play 80. You know, Not to mention he has a bad injury history. I mean, last year I know he punched out 20 games, but his his injury history is not good. No. And, yeah, the ACL in 2020 and, and everything else. So, uh, look, I would just say that um, he, look, he could play Eddie. Ricky Stewart is Ricky Stewart. He's probably one of the four most, mer like, uh, mercurial coaches in the NRL, along with uh, Nathan Brown and Madge. <laughs> and and so there's only one Nathan Brown, Stu. There is only one. <laughs> I, I know Maguire. Look, yeah, Madge. Let, let, let me find some bloke on the street to play hooker. It's like, 
Nick, it could be your moment, mate. <laughs> no, actually, you, you could be up this next week for Maguire if you train hard and you don't bitch training, apparently. Oh, he, 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 say yes, sir. Exactly right. So, so you, you just got to train hard, apparently. But the point being is that, yeah, I, I see that Hodgson is all risk and at his price, no reward. Yeah, I'm seeing an average of 39 based on best chance case scenario, 60 minutes of hooker at his PPM. I'm seeing a 10-point reduction pretty much on his break even. Okay. I've got him as, I've got him as a bust, guys. Um, yeah, I wrote it as bust, I'll be honest with you, before we started talking. So we're good. Moving on. Consensus bust. Okay. Tom Starling, the other, um, is the bench hooker, 426K. His break even is 34, and he averaged 33 in 2021, 19 games. His PPM is 0.74. So I said Hodgson was 0.65. Starling is 0.74, so it's much better, much more fantasy relevant. He broke his jaw, as Mitch said, so he'd be good for round one. Um, he was rounding into a bit of form. Um, and this is, you know, he's very linked to what Hodgson does in this forward pack because he was getting... 55 minutes or so over a five-game stretch before he got his injury. Um, he was averaging uh, 43.8. Um, I don't see any upside at all. I see 20 to 30 minutes, as I said before. And I'm sort of thinking his only upside is if Hodgson gets released or injured. Um, and then we jump on him. Um Sorry, I got that. Sorry, I got my numbers wrong, guys. The five games he, no, 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 I was right. He did. He did start five games actually as well, where he averaged fifty three point six. So if he does, if Hodgson does get released, there could be a twenty point or so upside um, for Tom Starling this year. Yeah, I, I, I was just about to say. So, so you've completely. Ch- did you like have a stroke in the middle there, mate? Because I'm just going. I'm just going cross eyed, mate. <laughs> No, I reckon... I'm more confused now than I was before. Exactly, that's what I mean, mate. Look, I'll be honest with you. I think that Tom Starling has some points in me. He's got a break-even of 34, right? If he's the starting hooker on that side, if he's the starting number nine and Hodgson is on the bench or something like that and going to come off, I'd wait to see what was happening in the trials. But I, I would be pushing to try and find room somewhere for him in my team because he... If, and he will push on as the season does. The only thing that I would say is that the uh, Canberra Raiders, they may have had enough of him too. They had enough of George Hodgson. Hodgson is moving on. Uh, they may have had enough of Tom Starling and his, uh, you know, syndrome of punching blokes. Uh, <laughs> well, I think it happened again. Like, I think, like, one one time is like it could happen to anyone. Twice is means he must be an NRL player. So the, <laughs> he, he, he just he, he, he's punched a couple of blokes and they've gone and bought and you know apologies if I'm wrong, but from what I can understand, the under sixteen and under eighteens are Kiwi uh, rep hooker. So to, and they they signed him on the development contract. So, oh nice! And he, yeah, he got a got a release from up in Queensland. Uh, yep. And come on down to play. So it's just a real danger that, you know, they could say, well, look, we've had enough of Starling as well. And we'll just play both of these guys middle minutes for the season and then rack them both off at some point. Is there a situation where Marnie, he's he's had, I think, shoulder injuries, is it, Mitch? I'm talking about Reed Marnie for the Parramatta Eels. 
Uh, I believe so. Hang on. So I'm just thinking if he if he gets if he does a shoulder again, they could release Judge Hodgson early, and they could put Tom Starling into the full time starting role. And, At which point, you know, every man in their dog in the game buys him. At that second. Yeah. Because he's a exactly. point per minute dude. He's a 60 point a game fella. Like, all, not quite as good as Reed Marnie, but he's up there. Yeah, Reed, Reed Marnie, shoulder injury, mate. But he also has a, a history of uh, concussion as well. So, um, with a few big stints off. So, not, not impossible. I actually think that narrative that you said, Nick, is, is very likely. I. I like Stu, sort of, I think he was inferring that uh, Starling could be a, a boom, but certainly a spicy pick. I think the, the short-term future, as in this season with the Canberra Raiders, will be Tom Starling as the primary hooker. Maybe Josh Hodgson starts early. Um, the, the reason he may be a spicy pick is that you might want to, at the very least, see how he's going in the trials or round one. But I, I, I'll be trying to find room for Tom Starling. I think, I think he's a high-quality player. I think he's a much better fit um, with the remainder of the Raiders spine and therefore the entire team will benefit from him playing there and therefore I think his points and fantasy points will be better. Um, I, I think he's a, he's a good uh, potential fantasy pickup, um, mm. particularly if Hodgson gets released, which I think, you know, if he, if he doesn't start playing or if he isn't playing 40 to 60 minutes, um, they'll probably look to do so because he, he'll start to cause trouble like he did last year. Yeah, so look, I, I, I have him as a, as a boom player. Right, if boom round one. I could, I, I could, I could get on board with him being a boom player. Uh, yeah, uh, Starling. If again, like Xavier Savage, if starting. Yep, I agree. Okay, I would if, agree. If he's not, if, if he's fourteen, right, he becomes a spicy choice because they're essentially then relying on Ricky Stewart deciding what he wants to do because of your fantasy team. <laughs> and Ricky, Ricky Stewart only does things that Ricky Stewart wants to do. Oh, mate, he's. <laughs> He's he's hard, very hard to work out, as we said, like like Nathan Brown. He might be another Grim Reaper type of coach for us this year, guys. <laughs> That's it. Who's next, Nick? Um, Josh Papali'i, uh, 635K, um, 51 break-even, and he averaged uh, 50 in 2021. Very durable 20 games, and he's a mid, 0.75 PPM, which is solid but not excellent. Um, I did a whole minutes analysis, guys. I'm just going to cut through... Um, the dough. It's uh, I expect him to average about 53, regardless of the minutes he plays. Um, if he plays less minutes, he averages 53. If he plays more minutes, he averages about 53. So, I'm just thinking he's going to average 53, guys. I don't. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it, it makes sense. He's a smart fellow. You save a little bit more in the tank if you know you got to play more, right? I yeah. I, I mean, you know what though. I think he will be up this year because he'll be so happy that he gets to, um, you know, chase down Fogarty at training every day, you know, and just let him <laughs> let him know all the time that uh, he got that angle tap. Uh, that, was it last year or a couple of years ago? <laughs> no, no, no. It was last year. I was watching it live on TV with um, with Emma, and it's one of the all-time great runs from a prop and uh, possibly one of the the greatest whiffs by a halfback to not score. I mean, from, by all reports, Jamal is no slouch either, so... He Just did not look fast that day, though. Obviously, Captain Slow. I mean, any time. It, it'd sort of be like Ed running you down from range. It's like it's not a good feeling. <laughs> you can hear the footsteps. That's, that's true. Uh, I, you know, I, I guess he must say, oh, mate, I was tired. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the prop wasn't. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, guys, we don't. I don't see Posh Josh Papali'i going really anywhere at all. He'll oh. um, be around that six fifty k the whole season, I think. So solid, solid pickup. But um, I would say that the only way that I would buy Josh Papali is in a dip, right? If he had a yeah. HIA or something early, like a a cork thigh or something like that, and he gets like a really low score. And you know how guys can drop about 100K off the back of like a, you know... A th- a bit like Torhu Harris last year. bit like yep. Torhu Harris last year. They can just really drop with one or two bad games, right? So I would... I'm going to chuck a... St- He's the sort of guy who I keep an eye on all year. And Post-origin, some- maybe? Whenever. Like, it could be game one that he gets busted, right? And round five is right for picking because he's he's back on the way up. So mm. I'm going to chuck a star on him, but he's an absolute bust for starting in your team. Like, round one, bust. But I would chuck a star on him for the rest of the season. Mitch, where you got him? Bust. Okay. Um, Consensus. Stu, Stu, Stu hit the nail on the head. Uh, and you, you did as well. He's not... He's not. In, it's all about making cash, guys. Nothing, nothing else needs to be said. Yep. Nice uh, guys. And, and so, who, uh, yep. Yeah. Sorry. So look, I'll I'll put him on bus. But if if there is a dip with this, he will be back on the when we go in season and we start looking at players. He's the sort of guy that I always have a look at if he has a bad game. Yeah, yeah. He's he's, he's one to keep an eye on, guys. Um, keep going through the forward pack, guys. We've got Elliot Whitehead at 551k. His break even's 44, 2021 average 42. He played 20. One games, his PPM is just trash at 0.53. But um, okay, uh, he's going to play 80 minutes, and you know what? He's an absolute suck on the team for fantasy, guys. Don't don't pick him just out of spite because he's taking minutes away from PPM stud Hudson Young and other players like that. Oh, anyway, oh. he would be a guy who's actually very interesting if he went down or got injured. Who would take his spot? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of players who I'd be interested in buying if they were playing in his spot. But as so, as would Tarpany get a bit of a bump in minutes? Would we think? No, he's an edge. Tarpany's a mid. Uh, but you could put Tarpany out there. You could. I you put Hudson Young out there as Hudson well, Young. Say, yeah, because yeah. Hudson Young is a stud. He's and, a stud. Or, or you put Adam Elliott out there, who is also yeah. a fantasy stud. I'll be honest with you. And he's pretty solid. A stud with the ladies. <laughs> Mate, he must have some serious pull. Uh, I don't know what he's got like oh, downstairs, please. but seriously, like honestly, there's not much up top. Like, let's be honest. It, oh. It's clearly it's clearly known amongst amongst the opposite opposite uh, gender, though, because he's yeah. up. He must be an absolute horse. Anyway, um, so <laughs> oh, th- there we go. I'm putting that down. So. Misses and souls a whole bunch of NRL players over time, and now I get to sell Adam Elliott if I ever assume that my brother thinks that he's got like a giant. <laughs> All right, okay, great. You know what, Magic Round, Magic Round could be very interesting. Magic Round um, could be very. If anyone at NRL is listening to this and have us automatically barred us, mate, get us backstage passes because I swear things will kick off. I, I could be one of the, those pre-Paul Gallon fights, you know, the <laughs> Mitch Brown versus Adam Elliott. How oh, long will he last? Mate, it more like the Royal Rumble. <laughs> you might be <laughs> queuing up to get in. Well, mine's a compliment at least, so I'll get a handshake, I, th- I think. Um, <laughs> I think I, you know what? I think you might get a bit more with those sorts of compliments. 
All right, anyway. moving on. So, so onto the edge candidates if Elliot Whitehead hopefully goes down. I don't wish, you know, as Stu says, minor injury, not 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 too bad. Um, uh, Corey Harawinara, he is 640K. His break even is 51, and that is his 2021 average as well, 51. He played 16 games, and he's only an edge. Um, and he's got a 0.71 PPM, which is pretty good, actually, for an edge. Um, when he played starting sitting ro- second row, he averaged 56.1 in 13 games. Um, he, the crazy thing is, guys, he, he scored that whopping 106 versus the Sharks in round 18. He had 13 tackle busts and seven offloads, but no bloody tries or other attacking stats like line breaks or assists or anything, but he scored 106. Just insane. Um, when he played more than 70 minutes as well, guys, he averaged 59.8. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that can be so frustrating. I mentioned earlier, he could be the kind of guy who can score 106 with 13 tackle busts and seven offloads. Or he could be the kind of guy who has one tackle bust, six missed tackles and two offloads, and he can, you know, score 30 points. I personally have him as a bust due to the minutes issue I was mentioning before. I see him behind Hudson Young, and I see him behind um, Whitehead in terms of where he sits on the pack. I think he will be used as an impact player on the bench. Um, Mitch, any thoughts on Corey Hadawea-Nader? Uh, look, he is certainly one of the, the tackle bust kings of the NRL. He's also um, one of the, the bigger knuckleheads. He gives a lot of penalties away, um, has a lot of missed tackles in him. I think just from a, a discipline point of view, there are just so many players above him. That oh, suspension as well, eh? Yep, he's had suspensions. I, I, I think he's a certified um, bust. There is no cash uh, in Corey. I think, in fact, you're only going to lose cash if you take him round one, so would stay away. Yep, 100%. Uh, Mitch, round one bust for me. However, I will be keeping a star because he is a good fantasy player, right? Like, guys at home listening to this, yes, he's been hit by the tackle bust nerf, but at some point during the season... Especially if he starts off the bench and then, you know, he gets that starting roll back, right? If he starts dropping coin and he gets he gets down in the price again, he you know, it'll just be like a no-brainer because he, when he gets minutes, he gets points. It's just how he plays. He has no chill. You know, he also has no chill with RBTs, but, you know, that's another thing altogether. <laughs> so he Last year, he started uh, 310K. So last year, he was a absolute awesome pickup but you know you take on yeah you're taking on enormous risk i think by picking him up considering suspension (laughs) and oh he's just yuck i've got him as an absolute bus guys do not touch happy with that okay awesome on to the next actual stud hudson young i'm i'm pretty excited about this so he's 686k guys so he's expensive don't get me wrong he is is expensive his break even is 55 and that's what he averaged in 2021 as well, to 55. 19 games, he's an edge, but he's got a 0.81 PPM, guys. Anything over 0.8 gets me really excited. So we have him at lock in uh, Stu's uh, predicted 17. Excited? I was going to say it's Stu, but I was going <laughs> to wait for him to finish. <laughs> no, nah, man, I'm just interrupting. So, <laughs> Look, uh, I am out of Elliot excited about this. Um <laughs> So, NRL.com uh, have it at second row, but guys, he's awesome at both, okay? Second row, put him in for 50 points, okay? Honestly, 
six, so, sorry, uh, 60 points in the second row. If you have him at lock, he could average easy over 50, 60 points because what happens is his PPM is about 0.75 when he plays in the second row. But when he plays in lock, he just goes absolutely ham. He averages like 1.2 or 3 PPM in the middle. So he's just an absolute weapon doing everything. So I am absolutely confident he will be, you know, mid to high 60s. So sorry, mid to mid, sorry, high 50s, low 60s. So, so that's no, Angus Crichton to Tohu yeah. Harris, really. Yeah, I'm I'm very very high on Hudson Young uh, this year. I haven't owned him before, so I don't know what that experience is like. We'll see how that goes. Um, but you know, I, he's young. I think he's 22. He's really coming into that sort of age. I, I don't think he's the kind of. Um, wait, has he been suspended before? He is has he suspension? the eye poke. Oh, he had the that's eye poke. Right. I wasn't sure if that was him the or um, the eye poke. Him and George Burgess. At least he didn't have to go to England and get a new hip. But you know, aye, aye, aye. okay. Oh, no, but look, he, look, I, I agree with you. He is a fantasy weapon, right? Like, I wish he was a little bit cheaper. But like, last year started six thirty four k, and you will go on the roller coaster with you. So like, he didn't change that much during the year, right? But he got, um, he did ramp up over the course of the year. He dropped down to five sixty k at one point, uh, because he played, uh, through round seven through 11 uh he played off the interchange so he dropped a lot of coin in that period and then he regained it all because he got some big scores he got a 92 65 69 like playing at second row and lock uh a 38 and then a bunch of 60s and 70s to cap out the year and then a poor one round 25 versus the roosters it, when you look at that purple patch of form you're talking about, Stu, from round 18 onwards, you yep. can see the huge potential. Yeah. He can do it for long periods. And he did uh, it second row with one start at lock for 36 minutes, so which he scored 69 points on, by the way, in 36 minutes. Yeah, so, yeah I, it's I, just insane. I, look, I, I do get your point there. If he starts second row, he could be a cut-rate keeper. The clincher for me would be if he was TPP. Where have you got him, Mitch? Um, I've got him as Chaka Star. Just a question of how many minutes he's going to get on a team that has good depth in the front row. Uh, maybe I'll wait. I, I, I will probably wait one to two games. And if he looks like he's um, going to ch- chunk out, you know, big minutes, um, I, I think he could be uh, Torhu Harris, Angus Crichton territory. On a team, as I keep saying, though, I do think's on the rise. Um I'm going to say Chuck a star in for round one, but I'll be keeping a very, very close eye on him. I've got him as extra nice spice, very spicy choice. I've, I've got him. Stu, what have you got? I've just written him down as a spicy choice because I, I, I can get on board with I can get on board with spicy. Yeah, because yep. I I like it. I I think that second row this year is going to be an ugly spot to try and chuck these sort of guys in. Agree. I think, I think he moves if he somehow started just say at thirteen, right round one. Uh, and he gets that dual player positioning, he very much becomes like an almost like a boom player for me because that coverage is gold as well. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. But yeah, that's oh, no. 100%. Nice. So, so like very spicy, but definitely like very keen. Yeah, like, uh, he's, he's not quite a boom, but I think he's definitely a spicy spicy choice, guys. I'm not going to um, hate on someone for having him. 
<laughs> not not at all. Not at all. Not after doing the deep dive. Um, and just to round out the forward pack, guys, uh, Adam Elliott um, or Adam the Horse Elliott, 598K. Oh, God, it's getting worse. <laughs> His break even is 48. His uh, 2021 average is 46. Um, 18 games. He's the DPP um, amongst the bunch that we've covered. His PPM is 0.62, guys, which is not great. That, that was at the Bulldogs, to be fair. No, it's it scares me that once your PPM isn't in that point seven, that does not get him excited. That's for sure. No, no, it doesn't. It it, it really doesn't. Not not like the ladies. Um. Uh, anyway, um, he's he's played um all over the sort of place like Hudson Young. Um, he played seventeen games in second row. So previously he was used at lock. He's had seventy career games. Um, more than half of them at lock. Twenty two games in the second row. So um, he sort of made that transition. I think that was just a forward pack issue. I'm sort of thinking he will play more in the middle this year as just like a tackle sort of machine. So when he plays more than 50 minutes, he averages 45. Not great. That's a 0.66 PPM. When he play in 2021, very similar as well. Um, when he plays in the lock, second row, interchange, anything over 50 minutes, he averages 45, guys. So, you know... I only think he's going to get the 50 minutes. I don't think he's going to get more um, based upon the depth that we mentioned earlier. So I've got him down for 37 and a half, guys. I've got him as an absolute bust. Stu, where, where have you got him? Bust. Uh, yeah, bust. Like, even if he's starting 13, right, with Hodgson in there, you've got Starling, like, you've got all these guys who will be pushing for middle minutes. You've possibly got Hudson Young. Like, it's just, yeah, it's ugly. Bust. Absolute bust, guys. Okay, Stu, where are we at now? All right. So, look, just to review for tonight's uh, positioning here. So, I've got, as a boom, we got Xavier Savage if starting, right? And Starling if starting, which is... Jeez, that's bleak, isn't it? That's true. It is. Uh, But, look, Xavier Savage is a very strong choice. Like, both of them are very strong recommendations if they start. So, they're very much keep an eye for the trials. So I've got spicy choice. I've got Charles Nickel Clockstud, and I've got Hudson Young. So choices in there. Um, chuck a star on it. I have Jack Whiten as our only chuck a star, the guy who sort of made it through the rounds of cuts. And bust. I have Jordan Rappiner, Jamal Fogarty, Seb Chris, Josh Hodgson, uh, Papali'i. And I've also got Adam Elliott. So, uh, which is a fair few fantasy busts. And I think that's just because for a couple of these guys, they're still good players. There's just not the minutes or the fully priced. So nothing against the Raiders. They're only bust as far as in your fantasy starting team. But yeah. yeah, I think I think we're pretty agreed on that, that they're, you know, good footy players, but there's just, there's just too many guys in that, Forward pack to um, squeeze squeeze a lot of value out of, with the exception of um, Young, I think, guys. I think I think Stu hit it the nail on the head pretty early that it's a very stable team, uh, and therefore a lot of their value has already sort of um, been eked out. Uh, I do think, however, that they're, they're going to be a good team, and, and as a result, perhaps some of those players, particularly uh, uh, 
Nickel Clock said Young, Starling, Savage, and possibly Jack White, and could could have a bit of an uptick. So they're, de they're definitely players to at least have a, have a good look at. Where have you got them on the ladder, Mitch? I've got them in third. I think they are going what? to be. I, I think I think they're going to be absolute dynamite. I was going to put them in fourth, but um, I just don't trust that Roosters medical staff. I think they're going to continue to have a few injury issues there. Third. Oh, and by the way, he's. Uh, can I add to the list of people that Mitch has insulted us now the entire. Roosters medical team. So top you know to what? bottom from the doctors down to the you know to the physios to the medical they, Their doctor, their doctor retired. He, he's given up. You know, giving people anaesthetic injections blind into the shoulder blade. Um, but oh that, you know, you know what? Um, it wasn't blind, but it wasn't under under imaging. It was it was pretty pretty interesting sort of thing to do. Um, but I, I would say that you know no, nothing on the Roosters medical staff, but they they have had a, a tough time sort of keeping that team healthy. And I know they've got some young. Yeah, um, yeah. that's true. I, I did have, I did have them fourth on my list, but just looking at this team, um, I'm not getting Adam Elliott excited uh, as Nick was before about this Raiders team. <laughs> I, I, I do I, I do like them. Like I, I I think they're going to be sort of that that 2020 or even 2019 x team. Um, but with the addition of Jamal Fogarty, who is a, a serious upgrade on George Williams, and they're not going to have Josh Hodgson playing as much, I would hope, which uh, um, I feel he has held them back the last 24 months. I, I would like to hear an argument as to why they can't finish third. I'm, I'm willing to take a sandwich on on them being top four at least. Yeah, look, I I must say I have them at fifth, uh, so I've got I'm quite high on them as well. I've got them above the Eels. Um, I think that the Roosters with uh, Luke Keery back um, might still be able to maintain the rage as well, like Lindsay Collins and a few other guys back as well. Like they, yeah, unless Keery goes out week two. Which oh, is, look, if Keery goes, then the season will suffer again. But they yep. made fifth last year with basically two Nuggets and a seventeen-year-old, right? Like, and a whole bunch of guys who won't make the first string at other teams, like Matt Ikavalu, who is a great guy, but. You know, we're going to come to in the Sharks next round. Might not make their starting 17. So, I I reckon there's the Roosters should look good. Um, and I look Panthers, Storm, Roosters, Eagles, right? I think that'll be pretty stable. But look, I have the Raiders up there with them. And I if they came third, I wouldn't be surprised. Wow. I've, I've, only got them as, I've only got them at seventh. Um, but so, all top eight in here. Well... You know, I, I was thinking um, lower, but... Um, you got above them. I've got sharks. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Give me a sandwich. I'll, 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 we'll wait for that one, but gee we Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, I've, got, go. I've got sharks, which is part two. I've got bunnies, panthers, seagulls, storm roosters. Does that take a sandwich on at least two of them? I, we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll talk about the sharkies and in part two. And look, I, I'm smelling I'm smelling a special here, which is our ladder predictions for the season. Once we've all put this together, we might we might publish like an official, you know, where each person thinks we're gonna go and have like a season review about like oh my goodness. where things went right or wrong. <laughs> well look, we're gonna spend all this time talking about it. We may as well like see how we went. I can produce some embarrassing graphics to show how badly you guys know football, you know. Uh, it, it's not gonna be good, but I, I would like to make a Prediction: If we're doing it now, that um, uh, Luke Keery will not make it past uh, round eight. I know we're not talking about the uh, Roosters at all, but I, I would be shocked if he got past so round eight. The entire Roosters medical staff and Luke Keery. <laughs> My no, God, mate! No, no, Mitchell no, Brown 
it has it's now gone for half the NRL department. Have you, have you got any thoughts on Peter Volandi? <laughs> yeah, I do actually, but okay. no, uh, I, I, I put I put absolutely zero on the on the Roosters medical staff. I just think they had, they had they had an old an old team, and they still do have some players on that team that are a little bit older, and I think they're going to struggle to keep them healthy. So that's why I'm putting uh, the Raiders in at third. No, wow, I love it. Enough. Love it. Look, it's there's there's a rational decision behind it, a rational you know at least thought process behind it. So it's not just because you hate the Roosters, like most of Sydney. So <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Anyway, so look, let's let's wrap up there. So uh, just the the final round. So we got uh, Mitch predicting that the Raiders will end in third. We have Nick predicting there at seventh, and I've split the baby predicting them at fifth. And uh, a final run through. So we got the, uh, I guess just for the boom, we got Xavier Savage if starting and Tom Starling if starting. So look, guys, we're going to wrap up section one there. So this is it for the Raiders uh, section of the podcast. And then uh, we'll start part two for the Sharks. So thank you, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thanks, boys.